0: You are now tuned into Pulse Pounding with Mickey Dillon. Uh, hello, hello. Is anyone there? Can you hear me? I think I have bad service on this road. <laughs> Just kidding. Welcome back to another episode of Pulse Pounding. I'm Mickey Dillon, your host. As you have gathered by the title of this episode, I have been making interesting life choices. And I haven't told you about this because I was waiting to see where this was going to go, how this was going to shake out. And what I don't need also is your judgmental negative attitude about it, okay? So sit down, buckle up. We're going to talk about everything. But first, we need to talk about Boston. Do you remember this? you bitches remember this conversation? I want to do drugs. Drugs, drugs, drugs well that is what the fuck happened in boston okay boston was a fucking shit show so me and a couple of my boys planned to go to boston to see rufus du everybody knows if you listen to this podcast or you know me in life that rufus du is my magnum opus my bible if you will i don't think i use magnum opus in the right way but oops Going to a Rufus Dussault show for me is a spiritual experience. I'm not a religious person. I don't go to church unless someone is getting married or they have died. And even then, I try to fucking avoid it. You know, it's just a bunch of shit that I don't get down with in organized religion. I'm not a religious person. It is what it is, bitch. All right. Rufus Dussault is the closest thing I have to religion. I go to their concerts because it is a religious and spiritual experience for me. I let go of some negative energy. I cry. I dance. I sing. I leave the negativity in the air of the venue for someone else to soak up because I don't fucking want it anymore. I've seen them probably like 10 times at this point. So every time they come around, I have to catch them. And they're the kind of artists where like I usually see them once a year But if they're not really touring that year, I might not see them for two. So I have to catch them when I fucking can. For some reason, when they announced summer tour dates this year, they decided to skip New York. Very rude. I don't approve of this. We're going to have a conversation about that, them and I. Not really. I'm having it in my head. So we decided to go to Boston. We're going to call my friends Tim and Jim because we on this podcast, and by we, I mean me. like to simultaneously protect people's privacy while exposing them at the same time, exposing all their secrets. So I introduced Rufus to Tim back in the day when we first started getting close, and he really liked them. So he listens to them as well, but he's never seen them live. So we've been talking about for quite some time that we need to catch them together because I wanted his first experience with them to be with me there. It's so crazy because I try to explain to people like Rufus Dussault, I could be stranded on a desert island waiting to die with their entire discography and be perfectly fine. There's an album or songs that they have for every mood. I have songs I listen to when I'm fucking pissed. I have songs when I'm getting ready and I want to party. I have songs when I'm sad. They've got something for everything. They are my absolute favorite artists of all time. Jim made a great point after seeing the show, which is that seeing them live the way they play the music, it's almost like their recorded songs are just a guideline of what to do because they change the versions live so much that it almost isn't the same song anymore, but it is and it all kind of flows nicely into it. It's hard to explain, but I try to tell people, you don't get it until you see it. It's not just a concert. It's like a whole fucking experience. It's like this world that you're sucked into. And as they have progressed and grown budget-wise, popularity-wise, their show's gotten bigger and bigger and more fleshed out i guess so i've seen this specific iteration of it on this album's touring probably three times twice or three times so i kind of knew exactly what was going to happen right so we planned this months ago i bought the tickets and it's so funny being a homosexual my difference in relationships with my friends girls versus straight guys Girls overplan everything. They plan everything to a fucking T. Most times, not every girl, but most of them. They overplan everything. Guys don't plan a fucking thing and they just wing it. I'm somewhere in the middle. I want to plan like the basic guideline. I want to know where we're staying, how we're getting there where exactly we're going, what the point of this trip is, what's like the main event, and everything else I can kind of go with the flow, right? I don't need a whole itinerary. We literally didn't even have a fucking hotel until like the week of. It was so funny to me, just the difference between hanging out with my siblings and all the girls and the way that they plan things versus like being with my boys and how we just don't fucking plan a goddamn thing. And we jump on the ferry to go to Connecticut and then drive the rest of the way. The first red flag of the fucking weekend. By the way, this is this whole episode's theme is, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Because in every situation, I'm the problem. For me, it's me. We jump on the ferry and we're like, ready to go on an overnight vacation, right? I keep calling it a weekend, but it was literally a weekday overnight. But it is what it is. It's a weekend. It's an overnight vacation. That's how we're treating it. We're ready to party. So we immediately go to the bar on the ferry looking to drink. After like a half hour on the boat, we're like, is a bartender ever going to come and fucking serve us? So Jim goes to ask somebody if we're going to get a fucking bartender anytime soon. And we find out that there is no bartender until we reach Connecticut on the other side and the bartender gets on the fucking boat for the trip back. What good does that do us? Too late for fucking us. It does make sense that they don't serve alcohol until noon. But I mean, uh, come on, people are going on overnight vacations here. We're ready to drink. We're ready to party. Thank God Jim kept beers in the car. This is why you keep beers in the car, just in case you fucking need them in a cooler, ready to go. So, we get up to Boston and we get to the hotel. And we had the plan of like, all right, we're going to go, we're going to get ourselves together, we're going to grab some drinks at the liquor store, we're going to like party, we're going to pregame for a little bit, go get some dinner, and then we're going to head out and go to the venue. So, we get to the hotel, we're having some drinks, we're getting ready. I'm ironing everyone's clothes because the way straight men pack is absolutely ridiculous. Okay. I pack a little bit methodically, I pack too much overpacking is a serious issue that I have. I need options. I need products. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I'll pack what the fuck I want. Straight men, most of them pack like fucking animals. There's no order to it. There's no outfits picked out. They just throw a bunch of shit in a bag and hope for the fucking best. I swear they pick up piles of clothes and turn them into a ball, roll them up and just throw them in a fucking bag with no order. I like to roll my shit up a little bit to make sure that it doesn't wrinkle too much. My first mistake was not bringing a steamer. So I'm ironing everyone's fucking clothes because these straights are not going to show up to Rufus Dussault, my church and embarrass me. By being fucking wrinkled. I didn't bring the steamer, and now I'm stuck with this makeshift bullshit hotel iron that's half working, half not. I tried to call the fucking front desk. We're in this beautiful hotel, beautiful hotel in Boston, and I try to call the front desk to get a new iron. The phone doesn't fucking work. Then I called for my cell phone. No one's picking up, so I had to make do with what I had. I was fucking pissed about that. We're dressed, we're ready to go. We decide we're gonna go downstairs to the hotel bar restaurant, which was gorgeous. I don't remember the name of it, but it was beautiful and we're going to have some food, and we're going to get the fuck out of here, right? So Tim and Jim like to dabble in the hallucinogens, (laughs) specifically mushrooms. And I don't fucking play that shit, okay? We've talked about this before. I don't need to see anything that's not real. What I see in real life is scary enough. I am not the person for those kind of things, okay? I know myself. I don't need that shit. I need to be in control of myself and what's happening around me. Mind you, Before I got on the boat, I took one of my leftover kidney stone Percocets. I have about five of them left. My name's on the bottle. I'll do with those as I fucking please, okay? Talk to me when I'm buying them on the street, which I will never be. So I took a Percocet before I got on the fucking boat, okay? Then we get to the hotel and it's like a bunch of hours later. So before we leave, I take another one. Tim had bought a bottle of fucking tequila while I'm drinking White Claws because I know how to pace myself, right? I need to be drinking something that is going to allow me to keep going all night. And something about those stupid claws, as much as they're ridiculous, they have no calories almost. They're not going to weigh me down and they're not going to fuck me up. I could keep going on those fucking things all night. So I'm drinking those. He's got the tequila and I have no business drinking tequila. Nothing good happens when I drink tequila. But sometimes when I'm feeling good, when I'm in a good place, I get a little brazen and I'm like, I can handle it. Everything's going to be fine. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes it's the fuck not. So I take a couple swigs of tequila. I'm feeling good. We're ready to go, right? These two idiots are eating their mushroom chocolate bars. If you've never seen them, they're like Hershey bars almost, but bigger. But in the sense that they're split into those little squares that you can break off. They're eating the whole fucking bar. One each, the whole fucking bar. I don't know what planet they're about to be on. There's one little tiny square left. And Tim says to me, here, just eat it. And he hands it to me. And I'm like, no, you know, I'm not fucking doing that shit. You know, I'm not getting down with this nonsense. Not today, especially not today, but not in general either. He's like, come on, just take it. Like, it's not even going to do that much. You'll be fine. What in my mind possessed me to be like, "Mm, okay, fuck it, whatever. Sometimes I have that problem. Sometimes I get a case of the fuckets, and I'll just do some shit. I know I shouldn't be doing. Anyway, so I ate that and as soon as I was chewing and swallowing, I fucking immediately regretted it. And I looked at him and I said, if this night turns south, it's your fucking fault and I'm going to kill you, even though it's my own fault because nobody forced me to eat it. We go downstairs to the hotel bar restaurant, which is full of finance bros. I didn't know that Boston had such a finance community, but every one of them is in their fucking finance bro outfit having a goddamn Aperol spritz. Looking like fucking homos. You ever just look at somebody and know that even though they're not gay, they've definitely had their wiener touched by another man. That's what the room full of these motherfuckers were. They all looked like that. We sit down at the bar and I preemptively told everybody to bring their sunglasses because I need to wear my shades. When I start smoking a joint at a concert, having a couple drinks, my eyes are the dead giveaway that I'm fucked up. And nobody needs to know that I'm fucked up unless I choose to share it with you. So I am wearing my shades all night inside, especially a concert where there's going to be a bunch of bright lights. Sometimes I need a fucking barrier. So everybody's got their shades. I choose to continue to wear mine inside. We sit down at the bar and I look all the way to the other side of the bar. You know how bars like wrap around and somebody's sitting like on the corner kind of facing you? I look over and there's a goddamn some sort of terrier or fucking bulldog sitting, ass in the chair, hands on the bar with a bowl, eating out of the bowl like a fucking person. All this motherfucker needed was a cigar in his mouth to be set. And everyone's looking and laughing and whatever. And I'm looking over like, is this a literal fucking dog? sitting at the goddamn bar. Is that legal? Is that sanitary? I mean, I'm going to mind my business, but is this real? Or are these the fucking mushrooms kicking in? Am I seeing a goddamn mirage? Is this a hallucination? But I quickly realized that it wasn't by everyone else's reaction. So there's a goddamn fucking dog at the bar sitting down like a person. Okay, we eat, we go back up to the room, we get our stuff together, have another drink before we leave, and we're ready to party, right? So we get to the venue. I bought Fastlane passes, which I definitely recommend. And for concerts. If your concert offers a fast lane pass for a general admission show, spend the $20, you cheap motherfucker. Spend the $20. We skipped the whole fucking line and were in and through security in like two minutes while everyone else was waiting on the line that wrapped around the fucking building. We had talked before about, do we want to be on the floor? Do we want to find a seat? I'm on the wavelength of being an old ass man and having done this 5 million times that I don't really want to be on the floor anymore. I want to be in that spot where it's the first level up, the first couple rows of the first level up, on the side of the stage, perfect view, see everything. But for Rufus, I'll do it. I'll suffer. I'll wait a a couple hours. I'll jump in the front. I'll make sure I got my spot. And especially because Tim had never seen them, I wanted him to get the full experience right up close. So where on the floor, the opener starts, they were called HVOB. I remember that because when I was stoned, The funny part was I kept calling them House Vagina Open for Business. Is that funny? Absolutely not. But when I was stoned, it sounded fucking funny to me. They were great. We were vibing with the openers. And then I realized that it's about time for Rufus, right? It's just about nine o'clock. They're about to come out. And all... The time leading up to a Rufus show, usually like the week before, I'm anticipating it. I'm like, holy shit, here we go. It's happening. It wasn't like that this time for some reason. And then all of a sudden, it was the day before. And I was like, holy shit, it's tomorrow. And then when you wake up on the day of like things you want to do, you're just excited and the time passes. And then all of a sudden, you're on a fucking trip to Boston and you're like, oh, we're here. And the day just starts going so fast. Now, all of a sudden, it's about to be nine o'clock. They're about to come out. So we're like three rows of standing back in the general admission floor. So I leave to take one more pee break (laughs) and grab one more round of drinks because I am not about to leave at any point during this two hour set that they're about to do. We had made some friends on the floor at this point, people that were around us, some girls that were standing next to us. We actually met some people who were also from Long Island, which was kind of funny all the way in Boston. I go to the bathroom. I grab the drink. I come back. We're ready to go, right? Rufus comes out. They start playing. I'm losing my mind. I light my joint. I take a couple puffs of my joint. Nobody else wants to smoke with me. So I'm fucking smoking alone. And now I'm looking at these motherfuckers who ate those whole mushroom bars. And I'm thinking like, I wonder what they're seeing. I started to feel something. I wasn't seeing things. I didn't take enough to where like The room was melting or all the shit, all the stories that people say about mushrooms. I didn't take enough of it to experience that. Thank the fucking Lord. But I definitely felt something. Everything was a little more vibrant and like popping a little bit. And sometimes I felt like time was moving extra slow, like not at a real pace, I guess. But the problem was that I also mixed a bunch of shit. So I didn't know what was interacting with what to make me feel that way. Was it the mushrooms? Was it the mushrooms combined with the weed? Was it the weed combined with the Percocet and the tequila? I don't know what the fuck was happening. (laughs) I already have a negative attitude when it comes to like hallucinogens. That's why I've never done them. And that was the problem. So that combined with what happened next was my issue. These two girls out of nowhere. Come and stand in front of me. And when you're on the floor, like, that's just what fucking happens. There's no floor etiquette. People bump into you. People are moving around. People come and stand in front of you as they're trying to make their way to the front. You just got to be, like, cool, calm, and collected and not let shit like that bother you and just roll with it. These two girls dress like EDM sluts, not to slut shame or whatever it is they call it these days, but these two little hookers. <laughs> come and stand in front of me, looking like wannabe Barbies, and they just stop dead in their tracks right in front of my view. But I'm vibing, I'm having a good time, I don't give a fuck. For some reason, I don't know what this bitch's problem with me was, I didn't say anything to her from a hole in the wall, we had zero fucking interaction. She like looks back at me, looks at her friend, starts talking some shit in her ear, and starts talking some gay shit. I hear the F word out of nowhere. And normally that shit doesn't bother me, right? Like normally I'll just fucking keep it moving. I don't give a fuck. But something about these drugs that were in my system caused me to go off the deep end. And was it the tequila? Probably. This is why I don't drink it. I lost my mind on this bitch so aggressively and so quick. I looked at her and was like, bitch, I don't know who the fuck you think you are. I got real ghetto real quick. I was throwing hands up okay? There was gang signs I was making up because I don't fucking know any, but I was getting mad aggressive real quick. I looked at her and I was like, I don't know who the fuck you think you are, but get the fuck out of here. Like, move your ass that way. Get the fuck out of here. And now she's looking at me like I'm the craziest person that she's ever seen. And maybe I was. <laughs> this little white bitch from Boston was probably like 21 years old. Maybe I am the craziest person she's ever fucking seen. So now I'm screaming at her because she's just staring at me. And I'm like, are you fucking stupid? Like, are you are you dumb? Like, you're not hearing the words I'm saying? Get the fuck out of here. So they start moving and going in their own direction. And that just turned the tides of the night. And I think it was the mushrooms at this point, because I wasn't really upset (laughs) about anything that happened with her. But I think I just started having these memories of everyone who's ever said something fucked up to me in my life about anything. And I took it all out on her. And now I'm thinking to myself, did I just look like a wild animal flailing my arms like a crazy person? Did I just embarrass my friends who were standing behind me, only to later find out that they kind of missed half of it and didn't really know what was going on? They were like, uh, I mean, I knew something was happening, but I couldn't exactly tell what because it was so loud and we were a couple rows behind you. So here I am thinking that like everyone's mad (laughs) and no one gave a fuck. So I swear that like turned the tide of the night for me. And I was really upset with myself that I mixed all that shit, took anything I did, did any of that bullshit. But I think I was in like a weird emotional state and a weird headspace That I was kind of like having a case of the fuckets, And I was like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to like get wild in a way that I usually don't. Stupid choice number one, wrong place, wrong time. That whole experience is too important to me to act like that. And usually at a Rufus show, I'm like almost dead sober. I'll have a couple drinks throughout the day while I'm like waiting for them to come on. And I'll smoke a little bit of my joint while they're playing. But I try to stay like pretty close to sober, like right on the sidelines of sober. Because I don't need anything like that to enjoy myself. Like it's such an important experience and it's already so overwhelming for me to just experience them live every time that I don't need any of that bullshit. But something about this day really just <laughs> took over my body, if you will. So I'm like all fucked up at this point. I'm off of this like heated argument that was one-sided and like now I'm mad that I threw down verbally at Rufus because like you don't do that in church. <laughs> you don't fucking scream and curse at people in church. So now I feel like I was just going in and out of like consciousness almost. And negative and positive spaces. So I just was like zoning out. Then I was like looking over and really enjoying the music and the performance as it was happening. But then I would like zone out again and then I would come back. Then I would start to have this like overwhelming feeling of like negativity and like weird thoughts. almost like I was thinking back on certain things about life. But like why was that happening in this environment? It was super fucking weird. and I didn't like it at all. I felt exactly about mushrooms, the lowest dose that I took. As I thought I would, which is that I fucking hated it and I will never do it again. The best part of the show was looking over at Tim and Jim and watching their reaction. So I knew that they were going to see certain things that I had already seen and experienced and really be blown away because I know the kind of people they are, that they would appreciate it. So watching their faces react to like some crazy shit that I knew it was going to happen... And then hearing them talk about it all night and the next day, like how blown away they were and how excited they were by what they were seeing and how they couldn't believe the experience and how their expectations were one thing and it was completely blown away. That was the best part to me. Honestly, I kind of feel like I wasn't even there. And I was really upset about that for a little bit after I'm over it now. But like, I kind of felt like I, I feel now like I didn't even experience it in the way that I usually think back on their shows. I feel like I kind of wasn't there. And that pissed me off. It was my own doing, but that pissed me off. So the show ends. They played an incredible two-hour set. The show ends and we walk out of the venue and it's like attached to Fenway Park. There's this new venue. I think they opened one or two years ago. It's by the MGM. So it's called the MGM Theater at Fenway Park. So when you walk out and you look at it from a side view, this like boxy theater kind of attaches itself to the edge of Fenway Park. And if you walk down that street, there's a bunch of bars and restaurants. So we just like started walking down the street, I'm looking around and it's so clean and beautiful and there's like neon signs above all the bars and restaurants. It didn't even look real. I felt like I was on a movie set or in fucking Disney World. It's like the coolest place. Boston was beautiful on the Uber ride to the venue. I was like looking out at all these apartments. I guess they're like townhouses. They almost look like brownstones. They are Boston is gorgeous architecturally, the streets, the stores, everything is just fucking beautiful. I loved Boston. Explains why it's so goddamn expensive. So we're walking down the street. We slip into this bar called Bill's. If you're ever in the Fenway Park area of Boston and you're looking for a place to like hang out, go to Bill's. We walk in. There's like this ambient purple lighting everywhere. It's such a good vibe. There's this guy playing like matching music to the Rufus show across the street where it's like, electronic kind of DJ, but it's like a live band almost. They're playing live instruments. So we walk into this like side room and we met up with Jim's friends. Jim's friend may or may not be the provider of the hallucinogen. So he may or not be a (laughs) schmugschmieler. So we're sitting in like this little corner room, right? So I walk to the back to go to the bathroom after like a half an hour of being there. And we see these like two double doors. In the corner, like all the way off to the side by the bathrooms, the doors open and it's like a club room. It's a big dance floor with a whole separate, different style DJ and all these lights. It's literally like a club in the back of this bar, in the back of this venue. It was crazy. We were super fucked up at this point, so we were like enjoying looking at it from afar, but nobody wanted to jump into that environment. Not even me. And that's my prime time environment, and I was like, uh, uh-uh, not today. So we're hanging out we're in this like little side room area with Jim's friend and his girlfriend. So Jim's friend is like in his 30s, early 30s. And the girlfriend-ish thing is probably like, I think she said she was like 23 or 24. She looks like an Instagram model. Very cute. Very like 24, (laughs) whatever that means. Blonde, cute, a little annoying. She's got these like mushroom rice crispy treat shits that she's breaking off pieces of and trying to give me. And I'm like, "Mm -mm, I shouldn't do any more of that. I already did enough. She's like, "Mm, just, you know, just eat it. It's fine. It's just a little piece. And at this point, I'm like, you know what? I already fucked this all day up. Let's just really lean into it. At this point, if anything goes crazy, I could just go back to the fucking hotel. The main event is over. We might as well lean into it because we're never fucking doing this again. So let's just go balls to the wall. So I ate a couple more pieces of that. The boys kind of go off somewhere. I don't know if they went to get a drink or to the bathroom. I don't know what happened. She starts getting into this conversation with me that I am not prepared for, do not want to have and don't fucking care about, especially in the fucking state I am. I just want to drink my vodka and seltzer and, and calm down <laughs> and see where the night takes me. She starts talking about her boyfriend and how she's like not really his girlfriend, but she wants to be. But she like kind of is being put on the back burner and he only does this, this and this. Right. So she's talking about how she wants to be with him, but it doesn't seem like he 100 percent wants to be with her probably because she's not as mature. (laughs) First of all, bitch, let's start with number one. If you are dating a man who is a schmuck schmieler in his 30s or 40s, what the fuck are you doing? Okay, where is the longevity of this? When do you think he's going to go legit and change himself? It's not going to happen. This is who this person is. The problem with women is that they think they can change men and turn them into what the fuck they want them to be. It's not going to happen. Second of all, if someone is treating you like one of their options and they are not making you the main fucking dish, get the fuck out of there. You should not be begging anyone to be in a relationship with them for them to commit to you. If you have to do that the first time you catch yourself doing that, take a hike, get the fuck out. She's looking at me, waiting for me to respond to this fucking emotional load of shit she just threw at me. And I don't want to say anything too aggressive because I'm like, I don't know these people. I don't know anything about them or their lives or their relationship. And these are Jim's kind of friends. Tim doesn't even know these people. I don't know these people. Like I'm not about to fucking insert my opinion here. And who am I to have one? I don't know either one of these people. She could be a total fucking bullshitter telling me a story that's not, I don't know anything about this. So I told her, look, Life short. If you feel like you're being undervalued and you don't want to be in this situation because this person doesn't want to commit to you, then you should go your own way and do something different. You're young. You're cute. Go out there. Do whatever the fuck you want. If you do feel like this is a person that you kind of want to fight for, then you should let them know, hey, this is what I want from you and I'm not getting it. Are you willing to give this to me? Because if not, I got to go. What's wrong with that? Did I say something crazy? I don't think so. The boys come back and her attitude has totally changed and shifted. And she apparently was going to start to blame me and I blame the drugs. I blame the fucking Rice Krispie treats that she took and put herself in a negative place by having this conversation with a stranger. Now, I separately like move over to Jim's friend, the Schmuck and I start to have a conversation with him. And we somehow kind of like bonded over a music conversation, which is usually how I bond with people. I don't know if they're into music. So I'm talking about this show and what I'm doing. And I'm talking about the Rufus show. We're talking about the whole thing, probably like a five minute, very brief conversation, but he was cool. I slide back over to the table and she starts an argument with him and somehow throws it back at me. I don't remember what I said to her. That was kind of like, trying to break the ice and and move everyone back into one conversation so that that situation wasn't as weird and awkward and crazy as it was. But she looks at me and goes, well, you hated him five minutes ago. You said you hate him. Bitch, what? Hey, who am I to say that I hate someone who I've known for fucking 20 minutes? I don't know anything about this situation. That is not what the fuck I said. I just had a lovely conversation with this man. So because you hate him, you're going to try to paint it like I said I hate him. Uh Uh-uh, bitch. So after like a solid hour of being at this bar, we decide it's time to make the next move. And they want to go to another bar. So we jump in an Uber and go to another bar across town. I get in there and I realize I'm running out of cash. I brought cash, which I never carry because previous to this trip, I went to a bar with all the siblings and I was super drunk and I was trying to start a tab, but I gave them two separate cards and started two separate tabs and forgot about it. And then the next day realized that I forgot to close out either one of those tabs and left both of those fucking cards there for them to close them out themselves. And then I didn't want to drive all the way back there because it was far So I was like, I'll just order new ones because I can use Apple Pay on my phone. I have my cards on there. Because I'm a lazy bitch and I've just been using my phone, I haven't ordered more. So now you can't go to a bar and use Apple Pay in most situations. So I'm like, fuck, I need to go get cash. So I look up a Chase bank and I see that there's one like four blocks away. So I slip out to smoke a cigarette and I just go walk to the bank. I get my money. I turn around, I'm walking back, and now I'm like looking around because before I was on my phone with the maps so I could figure out exactly where to walk, but now I know where I'm going, so I'm just kind of looking around. I realize out of nowhere that I think I'm in like a seedy, shady part of Boston, wherever like the problem area where dicey shit goes on at one o'clock in the morning of Boston is, that's where the fuck I am. And I didn't realize it until I picked up my head with a couple hundred bucks in cash in my pocket in my fucking outfit with my sunglasses on, that I think I'm not in the right area to be doing this. Having not told anyone where I'm going, super fucked up, at one o'clock in the morning, no one knows I left the bar or where I went. I just slipped out. And I don't think this is a great idea, but I'm just going to keep walking real quick until I get back to my destination as soon as I saw the bouncer that I recognized from outside the bar, I realized we were good and we were at a checkpoint. You know, those video games like Mario Kart or something where you can see the checkpoint and you know, you're about to win. You know, you're about to come in safely in first place. So you kind of relax and take a deep breath. That's how the fuck I felt when I got there. So word of advice, don't walk around a strange area, super fucked up on drugs and alcohol that you don't usually take. So now the girlfriend is getting like, too much for me. She's starting to cry. She's like miserable in the corner. This has been dragging on now for like an hour at this point. Girl, get yourself together, okay? go home, go back to the hotel, fight about this later, remove yourself from the situation or act like you're fucking happy, like a grown adult and cry about it later. Okay. We get in the Uber because the boys want to go to a fucking casino. Now at this point, me and Tim are like, we just want to go back to the hotel. We are done. We are at max capacity, but we went anyway. She's in the Uber crying and fighting with him. And I'm in the back, back row. Jim's in the front, in like the front seat with the driver. The other two are in the middle row and then Tim and I are in the back, back row of the car and these two are like going at it and she's like crying and him and I are just looking at each other like, oh my God, I bought one of those little fucking stupid vapes because I knew I couldn't smoke in the venue while the concert was going on. So I'm sucking the life out of this vape because I'm getting stressed in the back having to deal with this. And now I'm still all fucked up thinking, is this my fault? Did I start this because I had a brief conversation with her that she forced upon me about her goddamn relationship? It is not my fault. She was a fucking lunatic. And now we're at a stoplight on a main road in Boston. She's trying to open the door and get out like the dramatic girl that she is. The boyfriend and the driver are like, is this bitch fucking serious? We pull up to this resort where the casino is. We walk in. It looks like the fucking mansion in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, okay? We walk in, and there's some weird shit going on in the lobby. There is this collection of fucking stuff, okay? It looks like a giant teddy bear, floor to ceiling. Now, mind you, these ceilings are fucking high. Floor to ceiling, there's this giant fucking teddy bear. There's trees around it. There's weird, like, carnival animals. It looks fucking strange. It looks like those weird back rooms of Disney World that they try to hide from you with all the fucked up shit that they used to use that they don't use anymore that you see on TikTok (laughs) that people sneak into. That's what it looked like. It looked like an abandoned fucking creepy amusement park in the middle of this stupid ass hotel in Boston. And then you walk around that and behind it. And all of a sudden, it's a casino with like nine people in it total it's like one o'clock in the morning, 1.30. Nine people are in this fucking casino. You're not allowed to smoke. They already stopped serving alcohol because it's fucking Boston. So what's the goddamn point? If I can't smoke and drink in the casino, why am I here? I don't fucking gamble. The girlfriend's in the corner turning into a puddle, being the most dramatic person alive. And then everyone decided like 30 minutes in, not even that they wanted to leave. And thank God we took a separate Uber back to the hotel from those fucking crazy people. I got back to the hotel, took a quick shower, and was dead asleep by 2.30. All of this nonsense happened before two o'clock in the morning. When have you ever heard of something like that? Mind you, at one point, somebody offered me a fucking Adderall, and I was like, absolutely not. I took those once, and I hated that fucking thing. It made me feel like I was on crack, and I annoyed myself. I was annoying. It's like caffeine on steroids, But as we were leaving the first bar and I was feeling like I was losing steam, I was like, oh, fucking give me that Adderall. I took the Adderall and I did exactly what I thought I would do. I annoyed myself. It was ridiculous. I woke up the next morning and I was like, oh my God, I don't feel good about anything that happened last night. I regret many things and many choices. And I felt like I was going to die. It was this weird, like, I didn't feel hungover. I didn't feel sick. I didn't have a headache. I just felt like I was not present on Earth. And I was like floating around, not in reality. And every time I looked down, my head was spinning and I just wanted to fucking die. It took pretty much the whole trip back. So like the three hour drive to the ferry and then the hour and 15 minute ride on the ferry. As soon as we were on the ferry back for like 30 minutes, I started to feel normal. And I was like, oh, thank God I'm coming back to Earth. And I ate chicken fingers and french fries from the boat to make me feel better. So was the trip great? Yes. Was the show great? Mm hmm. But uh, how would I know? Because I was barely present. That was my drug experimentation for my entire 30s all in one night. And I will never do a fucking thing like that ever again. I do not recommend you try this at home. Do you want to get into the juice? Do you want to talk about hot chocolate? I know you read the fucking title. I know you're waiting for it. I know you probably fast forward through some of that fucking Boston story. And good luck because those of you who I speak to, I'm going to quiz you to make sure you listen to the whole story first. All right, let's get into it. Yes, I did it. I slept with hot chocolate and I titled this episode past tense. I slept with him like it only happened a few times and it's in the past, but it's actually been ongoing for probably six weeks (laughs) now i was avoiding telling you this story because i wanted to gather intel and see exactly what is happening here but you know what i know is that i don't know what the fuck is happening here so we're just going to talk through it thank you please listen this is the point where i'm going to hold and pause for cheers reactions applause or whatever the fuck else you're doing or feeling listening to me admitting this All right. So last we left off with hot chocolate, this motherfucker had pissed me the fuck off, pissed me the fuck off. I was looking for some closure that I wasn't getting. We had a nice conversation. Then he was fucking rude to me. Then he called me some mean names that are not true, (laughs) which I've continuously reminded him of. And we had had these periods of time over the course of being broken up after he moved out where we would like talk here and there. And then like a month would go by and then somebody would reach out. And then like six weeks would go by and then somebody would reach out. This whole time I hadn't seen him. I saw him like once to exchange some leftover stuff that I had had left. But other than that, like we weren't hanging out. We never hung out. Nothing was like sexual. It was nothing like that. Now the week or two leading up to this, we had been texting kind of more consistently. And we had said, a couple times that, like, in conversation, in context, that like it wasn't smart for us to hook up or like see each other or get like physical, and I had said. Right before this to one of my friends at work, like we've had the conversation too many times on both ends about how like it's not smart for us to do this. That makes me kind of feel like we might end up doing this, but I didn't think it was going to be when or how it happened. And honestly, I wasn't really sure it would happen, but I kind of felt like it might be leading to that because we were trying to remind each other and ourselves that it wasn't smart. So we had been texting kind of consistently. So there was this one night we were texting. We both had been drinking separately. I was at home having like, I had had half a bottle of champagne at this point by my fucking self. We were texting and he's been dealing with this situation, family shit, where like a close family member of his is not well. And that's been weighing on him combined with his own stuff that we all have where we're, you know, trying to figure this out, trying to figure that out, life stuff, right? So he's just been feeling stressed and kind of emotional at this point. So he was having a hard night. I was in a weird place. I was kind of being flirty and I had texted him back like, why don't you just come over? And at that point, he called me right after I sent that text. So we like got into a whole conversation that got kind of deep. And I could tell that he was like feeling kind of upset. So I was like, I should just go check on him. Like, I know he's not home. I know it's in like a mutual public fucking space. <laughs> the downtown area of where we live, when he moved out, he moved like 30 minutes away. And then he moved back to the same town that we were living in together. And I swore it was to torture me, even though that's not true. So he lives like fucking two miles away from me. And the downtown area where all the bars and the restaurants are, are is literally walking distance from his house. So the whole time we were on the phone, I realized I couldn't drive. I realized that it was a fucking weeknight and I was not getting an Uber over in the area that I'm in. Okay. So I walked two fucking miles at like two o'clock in the morning to go find him and to go like be there and try to comfort him. The whole time we're on the phone, it takes me like 40 minutes to walk there. He doesn't know I'm walking there. When I was about to walk up, I was like, where exactly are you? And don't fucking move because I'm out of breath and I'm about to pull up. So I got there. We were talking, whatever. I was like, come on, I'll walk you home and I'll grab an Uber and I'll head back to my house. So I walk him home and we're sitting like on the stoop and smoking a cigarette. And he's like, why don't you just come in? I don't want to sit out here because we were in a conversation. I'm like, fuck, I shouldn't go in, but fine. So I go in. His apartment is messy because he is the cleanest person I know. The man takes 95 showers a day. Everything's clean, but he's still a messy boy the same way I am. There's like shit places. There's just clothes out. It's it's just how we are in, in nature. So I immediately start fucking cleaning up. I'm doing dishes. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? We've got the music on. He's like being stupid and dancing around. We're like having a good time, right? As we're talking and as we're slipping out in and out of real conversation and just being silly. So at this point, it's like four o'clock in the morning and I'm like, fuck, I'm never going to get an Uber out of here and I really don't want to walk two fucking miles back home at four or five o'clock in the morning. I'm exhausted. I'm kind of drunk. Like, fuck this. So he's like, why don't you just stay? And I'm like, I don't think I should do that. But I'm thinking to myself, you know what? We'll just go to sleep. I'm exhausted. We'll just go to sleep and I'll wake up in a couple hours and grab an Uber home when it's daytime and appropriate. Is that what the fuck happened? No, that's not what the fuck happened. So we were being stupid and like, you know, dancing around the room and just being idiots. And he just, we got a little close. We got a little too close. And then he kissed me. And then I was like, oh, fuck. And then he backed up and he was laughing and he was like, we said we weren't going to do this. We shouldn't do this. And I was like, okay, fine. So let's go to bed. Then we end up in bed, then everyone is somehow naked, and then he's laughing again as we're, like, rolling around, and he's like, mm, we shouldn't do this. And I was like, your dick's already out. Like, it's too fucking late for this. We've already passed the point of we shouldn't do this, and we're already in it. We fucking went for it for." hours literal hours all of a sudden it was seven o'clock in the morning so his bed is in front of this really big window and he has like a blackout curtains over it all of a sudden the curtains are open I don't know when or how that happened because I was kind of fucked up and then the curtains are open and the daylight's coming in and I look across and I realize I've been on top of him for like fucking a good solid 20 minutes Staring into the windows of the other house next door that's like far enough away where I don't think anybody could see, but you never know. And I'm just like naked (laughs) in the window, going for it in front of all the neighbors. Oops. So then we were like about to fall asleep, right? And we started getting into a conversation that I didn't expect about like relationship stuff. And it was kind of the rest of the conversation that I had been trying to have that I couldn't get out of him. I kind of got that. So I fell asleep and I felt good about where things had gone in that conversation. I didn't know if I felt good about the fact that we were just, you know, sexualizing each other for hours on end. And then I woke up again to him getting a little close and then we went for it again for another hour or two. And then I realized, what the fuck? It's literally... 11 o'clock in the morning at this point, and I had set my alarm for noon because we were up all night. And the first time we went to sleep, I was like, there's no way I'm getting up anytime in the next two hours. So I'll set my alarm for noon. I'll get myself the fuck home, shower, wash off the sin and go to work. I realized it's 11 o'clock and I have my alarm set for 12. I literally had slept for like two hours whatever it is, what it is. So I get up and I'm like, I got to go home. I got to get to work. I got to get myself together. I'm going to get an Uber and get out of here. He's like, I'll get you an Uber. I'm like, mm, no, I can get myself an Uber, motherfucker. I don't need your Uber. He's like, I'm going to get you an Uber and I'll put in a 7-Eleven stop for coffee. And I was like, <laughs> you know me so well. So I go do my walk of shame from my ex's house at 1 p.m., and get myself a coffee at 7-Eleven, thinking about what the fuck just happened. So at this point, I'm thinking to myself, you know what, let's put things into perspective. Everything's fine here, it is what it is. And I feel like if I never see or talk to him again from this point on, this feels like closure. We got it out of our system, it was was great, it was, I don't wanna go too far into detail. (laughs) It was fine, it was cool, it was fun. And if nothing else, I feel like I got everything I needed out of that. And I was hoping in a sense that he kind of felt the same way. Like this could be our closure. We had a great conversation. We had great sexual activity. And whatever happens, happens. So then the next night, he was like kind of leaning more into the place he was in the day before, like feeling emotional about certain situations. So I was like, why don't you just come over and talk and we'll hang out and we'll just, you know, figure it out. So he comes over. We have like a long conversation about life stuff and everything that's going on in both of our lives. And it was great. And then we just went to sleep. The next night, I was the one who was feeling needy. I was like, fuck this. This is not ending this way. We have to do that again. It's really hard to let go of the best sex you've ever fucking had in your life. It is so hard to let go of that and then to not do it for eight months and creep ourselves back into it that first day. I'm like, I need to do that again. I don't know how many times of this I have left, but I need to do that the fuck again real quick before one of us changes our mind. The third night should have been filmed and released as a porn movie. If I had an OnlyFans and we filmed that, it would have went fucking viral. I set up my lights, the lights that are behind me, my LEDs, I had the music on, the candles, the vibe was going. And all of a sudden things just started happening. That was probably like top 5 best sex I've ever had in my life, like times of sex. And I feel like every time it happens, it's like this whirlwind that sucks you in, right? Like I feel like All of a sudden, an hour, two hours go by, and I feel like I didn't think of anything. Nothing in my mind was like spinning or happening. I wasn't thinking about stressors. I wasn't even thinking about whether or not the fucking house was clean enough, (laughs) which is something I'm always thinking about when I'm sitting around here looking around. I just feel like everything stops, right? Like time, space, the whole fucking gay shit, everything just kind of stops. And I have nowhere to focus my attention but in that moment. And it's such a good feeling. And then in the days following, he got sick. He wasn't feeling well. And he's got like the strongest immune system in America. It actually fucking makes me really pissed off because I get sick really easily and a bunch of times a year. And this motherfucker is like never sick. He'll sleep in bed with me with goddamn COVID and somehow not get it. So he was sick. He came over and I was like taking care of him. So I took him to the doctor and we're sitting in the waiting room and he's like fucking around on his phone, doing reading, doing whatever. And I'm sitting next to him. We're in the waiting room for quite some time. So I have my arm like wrapped around his arm and I'm like rubbing his arm. And then he's got his hand on my leg and my head is like, rested on his shoulder and I laughed at one point during the hour that we're fucking sitting in this chair and he's like what and I'm like oh it's just funny like I your scent like I forgot about it I just like you smell like you and he's like freaking out he's like do I smell bad I'm like no 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 it's your own scent like everybody has their own scent and I just like forgot about it and I'm sitting here and I'm like laughing because it's like a sense memory thing And then I started to get emotional and I had to get up and leave and go smoke a cigarette because I started to feel like myself tearing up. And I think it was just the weirdest things have happened as we've been spending time together over the past couple of weeks where like you just forget certain things. You forget. It's almost not even that you forget. It's just that you don't see or feel certain things for so long. And then you start seeing and feeling those things again. And you're like, oh, That's right. This is how this goes. Like one of the days that he was here, he got up in the morning and he was like putzing in the fucking cabinet above the stove, like making tea and breakfast in his fucking underwear. And that was just like a normal occurrence in our everyday lives when he lived here. So I'm like laying on the couch watching that and I'm smiling and laughing, like thinking about how weird it is that this hasn't happened in fucking eight months. And all of a sudden there he is back in his spot doing his thing. But then it's also kind of weird because like we lived here together and now he doesn't live here. So now I'm thinking in my head, like, does he feel weird about this? Like, does he feel 100% comfortable? Like, I I don't know. It's just, is he thinking about the same things I'm thinking about? What's his perspective in that like this was his home and now it's not and he's going to leave and go back to another place when in normal circumstances, the last time we were acting like this and being this way. He didn't leave because he lived here? Like, I, I don't know. It's just strange to be put back in this situation. And it was amazing. And it was like, it felt good, but it still felt weird and almost foreign at the same time, even though it felt like nostalgic and comfortable, if that makes sense. And there's been like weird moments. So after he was sick and he was back to normal and went back to work, was feeling good, we've kind of seen each other like once or twice a week, one or two days a week ever since where like he'll have his night off, I'll come home from work, from work, he'll come over and we'll like chill and watch a movie or whatever. <laughs> Emphasis on the whatever. <laughs> and there's weird things that you do with someone that is so specific to your relationship that almost feel more intimate than sex. And I've been catching those things and they kind of make me like, oh shit. This is like what are we doing here? So like I always take pictures of him when he's in the shower cuz we'll always shower together at some point that's like one of our things so there i have all these pictures from over the years of like the shower curtain open and him standing in the shower in the same position and sometimes he's looking at me and sometimes he's not sometimes he's laughing at the camera sometimes he's like holding his hand up like get the fuck out of my face and it was just like an instinct that i had my phone in the bathroom and i was brushing my teeth while he was in the shower waiting for me to get in with the curtain open And I took the picture and I like stopped and he didn't notice. But in my own head, I was like, wow, I feel like that's more intimate than the intimate things that we've been doing and more of an alarm for me to be like, am I putting myself back in a place where my emotions are involved and I'm going to hurt myself? I don't know. It's very confusing. Weird little things that aren't intimate in the normal sense of the word are like more intimate than that to me, you know? Certain ways that someone touches you, certain ways that someone looks at you, certain things that are specific to the relationship, kissing somebody goodbye when you get out of the car. Like there's certain things that are just like way more deep than the physical part of it, I feel like, even though that feels really deep too. (laughs) Pause. (laughs) Metaphorically and literally. So I don't know. We've been in this like weird little bubble for these past few weeks where we've been like talking, seeing each other, hanging out, sleeping together. And it's not like it's just sex, right? Like, I think I tried to put that in my head, even though I didn't believe it to convince myself at the beginning of these few weeks that that's all it was. But it's not like he's just coming over here and we're having sex and he's going home. Like, we're not like that. It's never going to be that with us. It's never going to be just that. Like, if you're coming over here to hang out, even if we do have the intention of doing that, you're going to just fucking sleep over. Like, you know, like, I'm not going to send you on your way afterwards and pat you on the back and say, thanks for the good time. Like, That's just not who we are as people together, regardless of the fact that we aren't together. But we're also not talking about it. And that's kind of weird, too. Like, for the first time the other day, in these few weeks, we, like, briefly had a conversation about, like, what the fuck are we doing and how do we feel about it? But it was very quick. And we didn't really get too far into it. But besides that, we've kind of just been ignoring that issue. Like, what the fuck are we doing? (laughs) But I don't know if either one of us have a fucking answer because which way does this go? Like, where does this end? What is the end game here? I wasn't thinking about that at the beginning of these few weeks because it's just like exciting to be experiencing this with that person again. And this motherfucker has like, has swerved my few advances (laughs) over those months of like being in a moment where I feel some type of way and trying to like get him to come over here. And he's been like, I don't think we should do that. And I've been like, yeah, you're right, because in my head, I knew that we shouldn't, but I wanted to anyway. And here the fuck we are. This is why he knew we shouldn't, because now we're wrapped up in this weird place. I don't know. I feel like there's such a strange struggle of feeling like you love someone so much and you want to be with someone so much, but being so unsure Of whether or not that situation is ever gonna work. And I think that after all these years of trying to figure it out and trying to stick together and make it work, that not happening for the second time is making us both feel like it wouldn't work a third time, you know? But at the same time, it becomes conflated and confusing when you're doing more than just sleeping with each other. It's already confusing when you're just sleeping with an ex, right? When you're sleeping with someone that you were in love with, especially not that long ago, and you still have feelings for and you haven't 100% gotten over. It's more confusing when you're doing that, but you're also acting like you're dating. If you come over and we're watching a movie, we're hanging out, and we may have sex, we may not. It may just be like hanging out. It makes it even more confusing than just making it about sex. And now it's at the point where like, we've been doing this consistently for about six weeks. And I'm not really entertaining or pursuing other things because that feels disrespectful. So like, I can't have him here and do what we're doing and then a couple nights later have someone else here and be doing something else with someone else in the same fucking spot, in the same fucking room. That just feels weird, wrong, and disrespectful to that person. But at the same time, I am still single. We're not back together. And I shouldn't feel like I can't do those things, but I do. So what the fuck does that mean? You know, like, it's all just so fucking confusing. And we put ourselves in this confusing situation. And now I don't know what happens from here. And then what is the other option? Does that mean that at some point, someone's just going to be like, okay, I've had enough of this. And what is that going to look like? Who's it going to be? How's it going to be? And what does that look like? That's fucking confusing to think about, too. I don't know. I really wasn't confused about this until like two weeks ago. And all of a sudden, I'm like, what's going on here? But I don't want to stop. I swear to God, when you have such good sexual chemistry with someone, it's so hard to fucking let go of. And then when it's attached to the fact that you already are in love with that person, but you feel like you can't be, I I don't know. It's so strange and so confusing. Also, at the same time, the sex itself is like always been as good as as it is because there's always emotion attached to it. So even if it's like hot and nasty the way like sex should be, there's still some emotion there. And even in at this point to this day being in the situation that we are, like there's still emotion to it even though there may be times where we're acting as if there isn't, if that makes sense without being too fucking graphic, and you're acting in a way where it's just supposed to be like fun, but there's still emotion attached to it. How could there not be between those two people, you know? So the moral of the story is, I don't know what the fuck we're doing, and I will let you know what the fuck we're doing when I figure it out. All you need to know for now is that I am continuing to have the best sex of my life (laughs) with the person who has always given me the best sex of my life, and you should just be happy for me, and you should live vicariously through me, because if you're not having the best sex of your life, and you're single, good for you. Keep looking. And if you're not having the best sex of your life and you're not single, you need to be moving on. <laughs> I don't know. I'm confused. I'm having fun. And the train's not stopping anytime soon. So uh, good luck to me. <laughs> best of luck to me. We couldn't talk this much about me and my personal life without turning the attention on to you. <laughs> So of course, I asked you, the listeners, to tell me if you have ever slept with an ex and what that situation was like, to give me all the good details. And some of you did, and some of you didn't. Some of you are really good at following prompts, and some of you are a little fucking slow. So let's get into how you feel about sleeping with your exes. First one says, slept with all of my exes, breakup sex is the best sex. Never ended well, but the best orgasms of my life. See, that's what I'm saying. It might not end well, but in the meantime, it's the best fucking time ever when you're in the moment, especially in a situation like mine where all of the years of the relationship, the sex was always top notch. And now that it's like new again and getting back into it and it feels a different type of way because it's been so long, it feels even better. Why? Would I deny myself of that? This one's a good one. Three months after we broke up, me and my ex met in a supermarket parking lot, bought a queen size mattress topper and laid it in the back of my car, drove behind the supermarket and fucked. (laughs) It was steamy in that trunk for sure. I honestly have not had sex in a car ever. I've done some stuff in a car when I was younger, but I've never had actual sex in a car and I don't think I would like it. But if it's a big ass truck with like a back, That's on my bucket list on the beach with the trunk open and I need a mattress topper like this bitch. Behind the supermarket is fucking ballsy. Ballsy and risky. I like it. Okay, next one says, wife and I have been separated for about three months. We've had sex three times since I moved out of the house. The first time was after doing her a favor around the house. That involved me having to take a day off of work and the favor took all day. The second time was birthday sex. A lot of... (laughs) A lot. Capital, a lot. A foreplay, 69, and honestly, it was probably the best we've ever been. Third time we were drunk and one thing led to another. Here's to hoping for a fourth time in four months. I don't think I will ever say no to doing it again unless things drastically change. She clearly wanted to, but was conflicted as it could mess with the emotions. That's such a good point. I think that's such an interesting perspective. When you're in a marriage, and then you separate, and maybe you have kids together, and depending on how long you've been together, that really changes things, I feel. When you are moving out of like your house that you own together, separating things like your cars and your finances that have all been merged together the way it is in a marriage, kids and schedules and all that shit, and then you start sleeping with each other again, that sounds even more confusing than what the fuck I'm doing. We had our first audio response to this question in the history of all 51 episodes of Pulse Pounding. So I'm going to play that for you and then try to figure out how to warp the voice so it sounds different and I don't expose the person.
1: The last time I had an ex was like when I was 14 years old. (laughs) No, that's not true. Probably like 18 years old, but it's still been a minute. But yes, I have slept with multiple exes multiple times personally think that once like if it was a relationship where it wasn't like a bad falling out like it was one of those things it was just like a mutual thing which is what happened with the two that i did resleep sleep with it was one of those things where we were like comfortable and it just happened like we were with friends and we just hung out and had sex i think it's fine if you have no emotional attachment It gets really weird if you have feelings for each other still. And I think that happens most often when you have been married for a long time. I know my friends that have had people they divorced and went back to those people after the fact and had sex with them because it was comfortable.
0: See, that's so fucking interesting to me. And that's interesting that we're back on the topic of sleeping with an ex-husband or wife, like when we're talking about marriage, right? So, yeah, you're going back to it for comfortability, or you're going back to it because you miss it, or you're going back to it because you're not finding what you're looking for out there. And you start to kind of remind yourself, at least in my sense, of why you're not in that relationship to begin with, but that gets confusing. So, the part that she's saying about not including your emotions or making or it being okay if you're not emotionally invested, but doesn't the sex? end up leading to emotional investment when it's with someone who you have a history with, who you've already been emotionally invested with. I think it's easier to have sex without emotion, especially for men, if you're having sex with someone who you've never been emotionally invested with, if it's someone new. Yeah, there's a chance that you may start to like that person or see a potential for a relationship, but there's plenty of people who have casual sex with people and don't get emotionally invested. But I don't feel like that is as possible. It's possible, but it's less common when you've already been emotionally invested in that person. So you're already feeling some type of way about what you used to be with that person. You've spent time apart and now you're missing it and you're missing that person to some degree. So don't you think if you start to continually do it, your emotions come back into play and you become emotionally invested all over again? Maybe that's the point. Maybe that's why everyone says it doesn't end well. Okay, next one says, yes, I've slept with an ex. It was six months after we broke up and it happened maybe like four times, but it put me in control of the situation and gave me closure because I was the one to end it. He, however, said he wanted to marry me and I'm like, well, bye. I don't. (laughs) We were like 20 at the time and I was like, relax, pal. There's always an underlying reason for it, but I think sometimes you just need to get it out of your system till you get the ick. So that's an interesting perspective too. Like, are you doing it because you're the one who was broken up with and you want to kind of like take the power back and feel like the one in control? So you're fucking them until you feel like, ugh, I'm done with this. And then you end it. And now you feel like you're the one who ended things, I don't know. I'm personally not that kind of person. I don't feel any type of way. I mean, I have never been broken up with. (laughs) But I don't feel like, well, I need to take back control. Somebody told me this wild story recently about someone he was dealing with and they kind of like screwed him over. So he like manipulated them into screwing them over back. And like, I just find that shit stupid and immature. And I don't, Think that that is anything I would do. But I do think the perspective is interesting where, like, you don't feel like the one with the power. So then you're the one who takes the power back. And then that person wants to take you back. And you're like, "Mm, no, that's got to feel good. (laughs) Next one says, Nope, I've never slept with an ex. I'd go full lesbian before ever sleeping with the last one again. I've been free from him for the last two and a half years, got a younger and more mature upgrade. Good for you, bitch. Good for you. Next one says, a million years ago when I was 19, I slept with an ex. I told the guy I loved him and he quickly broke up with me, which was a good thing since he knew he didn't feel the same way. The hardest part is that we almost immediately started sleeping together again and hung out all the time. After a few months, I had to cut it off because I knew I was being stupid, thinking that I could make him fall in love with me. We didn't talk for a year after that, but started hanging out again due to mutual friends. Now I have a rule where I'll be an ex's friend, but only after a minimum of a year of no contact. See, I kind of agree with this, but I don't think for me, it's a year. I am distant friends with my first boyfriend. We're not like hanging out all the time, but we talk from time to time here and there. I saw him for the first time since we had broken up in 2020. We had broken up five years prior and I hadn't seen him in person since then. And it was fine. We hung out, we went to dinner. We had spoken here and there over the years. There was no emotion left. There was no feeling. I wasn't like in any way having any type of romantic feelings toward that person anymore. It almost felt like a distant relative, if that makes sense. But like not because we used to have sex. <laughs> but it felt like a distant platonic relationship because it had been so long since there was any feeling or emotion. And when I met him, I was 20. So being 27 at the time, I just felt like a different person. Like I felt like I'd grown so much and I had outgrown that relationship and person. So I agree. I think after a few years, I could see that. But I also think with hot chocolate specifically, I could never be friends with him. I could never be friends with him, especially if he was with someone else at the time, like in a relationship. I don't think no matter how much time has passed, I would ever be okay with that. I will want to kill them for the rest of his life, whoever he ends up with. I will have a death wish against them. (laughs) Not really. I don't want anybody to die, but I might beat them up. Next one says, I've never slept with an ex Unless you count my current boyfriend whose dumb ass broke up with me for a couple months and then realized none of those thoughts wanted his dumb ass and wanted us to work things out. (laughs) That definitely doesn't count as sleeping with an ex, but maybe you should punch him in the face. No, I actually think that that's a really interesting point. I think that I've seen so many, not so many, I've seen a few relationships where people have been together since they were super young or for a really long time and they start to feel like they're not sure if this is where they want to be. So they leave it and they go out there and they see what's out there and they experience what's out there. And then both of those people end up deciding that they want to come back together. And I think that that actually might build the bond and strengthen the relationship and keep you from running into any kind of issues in the future. I'm thinking of one couple specifically that I'm friends with that broke up for a couple months, like a summer, because she was feeling like she wasn't sure. They had been together since the early college years, since she was like 21. And they broke up and he was devastated and she was doing her thing. And then he was kind of doing his thing for a minute. And then she was like, I think I made the wrong choice. And then he was pissed. But then they ended up getting back together and they got married. And they are the example of what a couple should be. They're literally each other's best friend. They love the shit out of each other. And none of that affected the rest of their relationship. And now they're married and as happy as they were before. And I think that in situations like that, if you're feeling doubtful and then you go out there and you see what it's like to not find what you're looking for and realize that the you know old gay saying, the grass isn't always greener, is the truth, and that you are actually really happy and really invested in what you had, it makes you appreciate it more. And I feel like instead of getting married in your late 20s, and then running into that feeling and issue later when you're a married couple, you already got that out of the way. You already did that before you made that commitment. And I feel like for them specifically, it strengthened their relationship and it will keep it as strong as it is in the future because they know what it's like to go out there and be separated after all that time together. And they didn't like it. Next one says, I've slept with my ex tons of times. The sex was so good. I legit left my best friend's party to go over to his house. We would get back together on and off, but he was too much of a fuckboy, so I left and started dating someone else. But he had the nicest dick and made me come every single time, rough letting this one go, and he looked like this, and then she sent me pictures. I have been finding out more and more that that is such an issue for women. If you find a man who can make you come all the time, apparently it's like way more complicated for women. You got to hold on to that motherfucker for as long as you can, even if you want to kill them. I get that now. It's so different with men because like, no matter what, everybody's going to come every time when you're in a situation with two men or in a straight relationship, the man's always going to finish. There's never a time where you're like, "Mm, I can't really get there nine times out of 10. There are exceptions to every rule, but most situations, that's not going to be an issue for men. Telling you, good dick will change the game. Next one says, slept with two exes. The first one I slept with two or three times after a nine to 12 month breakup. It was weird when I slept with him again. Like I didn't remember his dick being a pencil dick. (laughs) Yo, I fucking love reading these. It was so fucking skinny, LMAO. When I dated him, it was the first dick I ever saw. And I didn't have anything to compare it to. But after we broke up, I fucked other guys. And when I went back to him, his dick was just so skinny. We stopped talking after a little while. It just died off he was using drugs too. It really wasn't my cup of tea. Imagine not knowing that the man you're sleeping with has a small skinny dick because it's the first dick you've ever seen. And then you have that image in your head, like that's what dicks are. And you go out there and you see some more that are just normal or big. And you're like, what the fuck? The first guy that I ever like fucked around with when I was like 17, I think had a small ass wiener. And I knew it because mine was much bigger. And then I started seeing other dicks after that. And I was like, wow, that poor motherfucker. I didn't even know how bad it was. (laughs) It's fun at the time when you have nothing else to compare it to. She's right. She continues saying the second ex was so toxic. We broke up for a month before we started talking again. I went to his house and we had sex, but it was strange and almost like awkward. Just like the first time we had sex, lol. We got back together after that and it lasted for two months. It ended up being that he hacked into my social media accounts and was monitoring it and reading my messages and logging me out. That's fucking crazy, okay? Listen, I support going through people's phones. You've heard me talk about that on this fucking show a million times. If you feel like he's or she is doing something fucked up or they, I don't want to not include anyone. I feel like that Rihanna clip that's been going around. He or she or they or them or whatever. (laughs) Some boxer briefs that both men and women and non-binary people of all um, gender appropriations and the pronouns, everyone is included. (laughs) I support going through he, she, their phone if you feel like something's happening. Because you know what? You need to lean into your instincts and intuition. When I feel like something's happening, it's probably because it is. And nine times out of 10, when I feel like something's happening and I've went to look for it, I fucking found it. So I support going through people's phones. Logging into their account without them knowing and constantly monitoring what they're doing for a long period of time, it's fucking psychotic behavior. That is weird. And that is like the people who track each other's locations, okay? All these fucking people who, oh, I have my boyfriend's location. I have my girlfriend's location. I watch it. I see where they are. Fuck that, okay? If you can't trust the person that you're with without having their literal fucking location on your phone at all times and checking where the fuck they are, you need to leave that relationship. When Hot Chalkin and I were together, he knew better. He knows I'm not out there fucking doing any bullshit. He knows I'm not gonna step outside the relationship. And the same thing with him. We have issues in a ton of ways. One issue that we don't have is me thinking that he's going to go out there and cheat on me. He would have never fucking done that. I've never been more confident in my life that someone would never do that. I feel like I could put him in a room full of naked guys that he's attracted to, and he still wouldn't have done anything. That is the kind of trust that you should have with your partner. And if you don't, you need to get out of that relationship while you can. Tracking each other's fucking locations on your iPhone's Is crazy. I don't wanna hear that it's for safety. I don't wanna hear that it's in case you're the 0.001% of women that gets kidnapped into sex trafficking, okay? Fuck that. It's a goddamn lie. And if you do get kidnapped into sex trafficking, they're gonna throw your fucking phone out the window and the motherfucker's never gonna find you. So stop lying to us and yourselves. You wanna know where your man is at all times because you can't fucking trust that he's not at the strip club sucking on a stripper's titty. I haven't read this one yet. And the next one says, I'm not a bad person. This was over 10 years ago. I feel like this is not going in a good direction. I got broken up with by my long-term boyfriend because a guy answered my phone while out and he flipped out. I mean, yeah, I would too. That night, I met another guy and made out with him, started a quote, relationship with this guy, but never would commit. My ex at the time had a very bad problem with substances, so he would go missing And turn back up and I would fall into the hole of him. This continues for four years. Couldn't count how many times it happened, but a lot. End result, I went on vacation and came back with a husband and I felt so free of all the bullshit that I was stuck in. He was upset about it and got further into his issues and then showed up again a few months later, all better, and then tried to be my friend, but that wasn't happening. Then he got a girlfriend and hated me. Oh, my God. Imagine going on vacation with a situation chip, and then coming back with a fucking husband. <laughs> Ah, How did that happen? When did you marry the husband? Did you know him for your week-long vacation? There's so many questions. Oh my God. I don't know what I would do if my ex, who I was sleeping with and then I got back together with and then I wasn't and then was sleeping with on and off, came back married. (laughs) How do you react to that? Next one says, I have a tendency to recycle, if you will, my exes. I don't like to add new people to my list of people or just sleep with anyone. I've slept with most of my exes even after breaking up. Not really for feelings, but because they wanted to get back together usually, but I didn't do it. It was kind of a middle ground. You get to have me at a small degree while I search for someone else. (laughs) Girls got needs, but don't want to sleep with a huge amount of people, lol. My current boyfriend and I hadn't slept together since our breakup. We weren't even together for a super long time, only a few months, but we were both in toxic relationships after we dated each other for about two years. He reached out casually after a bit of casual conversation, asked if I wanted to see his son since it was his weekend. I said yes, and it's been a little over a year that we've been together. I just think back then, neither one of us wanted something as serious as we thought we did. That's kind of cool to like... Briefly date someone that you kind of like, but then like you're not really ready for something serious. And then you go your separate ways, but you kind of come back together in a more mature, more experienced, more ready place. And then you have a good relationship. That's kind of a cool story. I like that a lot. Okay, I saved the best for last because this is my favorite out of the ones that I read prior to starting this recording. (laughs) I have been sleeping with my ex on and off for the last two years. The relationship was rocky and volatile, but the sex was just as exciting. Isn't that always the way it goes? Isn't it those relationships? So naturally, in between relationships, I gravitate back to him. Our last rendezvous was much like the other ones before. It gets better every time somehow. Yes, it usually starts as a hate fuck that turns into very raw and real lovemaking. I usually hate when people say that, but I kind of like it in this sense. This last one ended differently, though. It turned into me sending a video of him on the ring camera coming over at night and leaving in the morning to the new girlfriend that I thought he was broken up with. Safe to say we've somehow wound up texting again. Messy? Yes, but we're here for it. I'm fucking here for it. I'm fucking here for it. That's the level of petty and crazy that I want to be. Can you imagine? Could you fucking imagine you meet this guy, this other girl, you meet this guy, you're dating for a little bit, you think he's fucking great. (laughs) And then some hot ass bitch sends you a video of your boyfriend, who you thought was your boyfriend, coming to their house in the evening and leaving their house in the morning. Could you fucking imagine? And then her ex, the girl who sent the video, her ex is back to texting her in no time and they're still sleeping together. That is some funny ass shit. Not for the new girlfriend. It's not very funny. But for me, I think it's kind of funny. What a crazy bitch. That is the kind of crazy that I am like, "Mm, well, I'm just going to let you know what's going on. (laughs) The ring camera fucking sent me somewhere. The ring camera is sending me somewhere. Imagine coming to your ex's house, cheating on your new girlfriend, thinking that that bitch is not going to find out what you're doing. And then you're on recording and she turns around and exposes you. I can't even take that. That is hysterical. So I guess the moral of the story is that sleeping with an ex is always going to be complicated. And I am learning that now. It's also so interesting because in my situation, we have never... Done that. like We've talked about that before. And he's very much like the once I'm done, I'm done kind of person. And I've kind of been like that too. Like Once I leave a relationship, I'm not really going back. I've never slept with an ex before him. And I've never been in a situation where I broke up with somebody and got back together the way that we did previously, nor has he. Actually, I don't know if he slept with an ex. I'd have to ask him that because I don't think I've ever asked him if he slept with an ex. But he's alluded to the fact that he doesn't go backwards. So for us, It's like, what is this crazy connection that we can't seem to stay away from each other, that we break our own rules to find ourselves back in some sort of place with each other, right? Like, what do you do when two people who don't, 100% think they might be right for each other, but they love each other, but they're trying to stay away from each other, always end up somehow back in each other's presence. Why can't we stay away from each other? That's the question that I keep fucking asking myself. I'm going to ask him that question when I see him. Why can't you stay away from me? (laughs) All right, bitches, that's enough. I've exposed myself enough. As always, if you're not following the podcast Instagram, make sure you do. It's at Pulse Pounding. Make sure you're following me at Mickey not the Mouse. And if you have not left a five-star review and a nice, beautiful comment about how much you've enjoyed this show, what the fuck are you doing? You hating ass bitch. Leave a five-star review. It takes four fucking seconds. All right. That's it for me. <laughs> I'm going to go have a cup of hot chocolate. Catch you next week. we